0: Hello everybody and welcome to episode 26 of the Cays and Better Every Day podcast. I'm doing a solo pod today again uh, and I had a few topics lined up over the next number of weeks but one that I kept thinking about doing uh, and was unsure about but just wanted to just sort of dive into it and give it a proper bit of attention because I've talked about them on uh, Instagram stories in different ways but I've never really took a proper dive into it uh, talking about probably all things business and not really from this uh, like position of oh listen to me you know everything about business because I absolutely fucking don't but from the point of view of the realities of business versus what's portrayed on Instagram in particular in the fitness industry with online coaches it's it is portrayed as this sort of like wonderful golden life uh, that everyone should be aspiring to and it's like it's really not and there's so many realities about business that people don't really talk about and it almost misleads people Uh, and I'm going to go into a wee bit about my story in business some of the realities of it some stuff that I like struggle with with it some stuff that I don't don't like about it uh, but also the stuff that I do enjoy about it and it's probably useful for someone listening that has maybe an idea that they would like to do something, they might like to have their own business, that maybe like to be self-employed or have a side hustle or side project in some way but they're still sort of looking at what does it actually look like, like the realities of it and what what are the sort of ins and outs of what you actually have to do and yeah that's, that's probably something that when I was trying to look for information probably eight years ago when I first started like being self-employed it was not really out there, I couldn't find any practical information on okay well what what does it actually look like day to day, like what are the downsides because all I could see on social media was that it was purely unbelievable that anyone that was running a business was living this amazing life where they had complete freedom over their time, they didn't have a boss, they could make as much money as they wanted Uh, and it's rarely the case and I think nobody really talks about the downsides of it, not in a way to put people off, uh, running a business because I think it's one of the best things that a certain fraction of people that feel like they're suited to it, and I'll come back to that uh, in terms of what, what I've seen with what's... I think everybody has the potential to do it and is more than willing to do it, but there's some people who are maybe a wee bit more robust to, against the the downsides of it and are maybe suited a little bit more to it. Not to say that people shouldn't do it if they don't feel like they're suited to it, if they have an idea to do it, but Realising that business isn't the be-all and end-all, that like running a business isn't in any way sort of or shouldn't be held in any way above like working a job and a career that you actually enjoy. I think like the main thing that I've found over the years is it's just enjoyable to do something that I actually care about, that I'm passionate about, that that Ken Robinson book that I talk about all the time on most podcasts, the element finding the thing the like the meeting point of the thing that you're really good at and the thing that you're really passionate about. And if you can do that consistently, that's probably the best way for you to reach your theoretical potential. That if you're really passionate about it, you're going to be willing to put the hard work in even when the times are shit. And if you're good at it and you have a relatively natural ability to, to work in that space, then you're obviously going to be at an advantage to someone who, who maybe isn't. But well there's there's different things even in terms of what a don't feel is discussed. And the first one like the biggest misconception is that like you have all of this free time uh and especially I think this is is mainly brought to my attention probably during the days because like my, my work schedule is my own, so I'll obviously work when I want to work when I feel I'm at my best I'll, but the fact of the matter is that there's a a body of work that needs done, and I'm a a business of one it's one person uh so if I'm not going to do it, it's not going to get done. And that's probably the like the meat of what run the business really looks like, is as the person that runs a business, the buck stops for you, that if something needs done, regardless of what time it is, regardless of how stressful a fucking day or a week you've had, regardless of how much you feel like you might want or need a holiday, if there's something in your business that needs done at a certain time, that's it, it needs done, you need to do it if your business, like surviving and potentially thriving is a priority and that's something you're going to have to do Uh, and i don't think people like really talk about it but i just i'll I'll sort of back up a wee bit and discuss like my like my uh, my story and how i came into business so for those of you that haven't listened to the podcast before you probably haven't heard this story but i'm sure i've covered it before so i'll try and keep it fairly brief but i studied aerospace engineering in university didn't really like it, but didn't really have the balls to go and do something different because there was a certain amount of sunk cost. I'd went to school, I'd got what was perceived as like into a good degree uh, that had decent career opportunities, an opportunity to earn a decent wage when you got out uh, and progress fairly well in an industry that was relatively sought out for with graduates. That there was a decent bit of job security if you're coming out with the degree, you were pretty much like almost virtually guaranteed if you were working hard to get a job. and it also sounded really cool like aerospace <laughs> engineer it just it just sounded cool when I mean, you told people you don't they were like oh fuck yeah like that oh my god that's mad but really it was like it, it was mechanical engineering for the most part with with some like aerodynamic stuff in it and in, in different modules and that was really the, the degree i done because for the most part i thought it sounded fucking cool and the fact of the matter was when i actually got into it and the realities of what that looked like day to day both as a student and then when I was in the in the actual industry and when I was working on the placement year, I realized this isn't what I want to do. Like This isn't, isn't how I want to spend my days. And I think myself and Gareth Fox discussed this in the last episode of, well, how do you decide if something's for you? Are you based on like when sometimes when people send me like, oh, I want to do a personal trainer, I want to be a coach. And I almost have to try and ask a few program questions to see like, what has made you decide that you want to do that? Is it, what you're seeing on social media with other coaches and what they're putting on their stories because that's such a that's such a, a narrow window of focus through what their entire day week life looks like do you would you actually like a day would you like to have the life that that person has and even sometimes when you're talking about not an impart not an online coach an in-person personal trainer they're like oh i'd love to do personal training i love the gym so i'd love to a personal trainer and The realities of in-person personal training are that you need to be on, like socially, like you need to basically be there and you can't be an energy drain from another person because they're coming, they're paying their hard-earned money for you to bring them through a session and structure a whole training plan and to talk to them and to guide them and to almost keep them motivated at times, although that's a bit of pretty loaded term, I'll stay away from it, but your energy has to be quite high and Extroverts are, extroverts are definitely suited a little bit more to it because they can sort of maintain that high energy with a lot of social interactions bang on like one after another and they'll have to do that to sort of come in the morning you might have a client at 6 in the morning you've been up at like half a three on you and got out the door and someone's walked in and you have to have customer service face on you have to be someone that is a like is nice to be around because if you're not, if you're, like you have the option, you don't necessarily have to do it. You have the option of you could just like walk in, sort of throw yourself in there and just be like a wee bit sore and just let the fact that you're fucking nagged sort of just portray in your demeanour. But your business isn't gonna thrive or do well if that's the case, because people aren't gonna want to be around you. So that's that's one thing that, that I sort of realised when I actually got into training an in, in-person personal training was like. Oh God, like there's, for me, there's a bit of a shelf life to this because it's quite demanding from an energy standpoint. Also, you get up in the morning early, you coach through to sort of like the later morning time and then you'll tend to, you'll tend to have dead space in the day and then you'll come back in and you'll coach in the evening and that is basically how your days are set up. You'll normally work at least a little bit at the weekends because of the fact that that's when people have more free times. So you're more likely to put clients in on weekend slots and you get into a situation where you just like, you'll work quite a lot. You'll have a lot of time where you're not coaching, but you'll struggle to get a lot of downtime an actual real, like, set aside time away. And one thing I really struggled with, especially when I was a, like one on one personal trainer or sole person and had no coaches under us at Kaizen, was trying to find time just to switch off and trying to find downtime, like taking a holiday. I don't think I took a holiday pretty much for the first year uh we got up and running for like a month or two uh, and i had a holiday planned and i went away for two weeks with my friends and then came back and i think that was the last holiday that i had for about a year potentially 18 months not sure but it was a like i think i maybe had like a four night like a long weekend somewhere but it didn't have like a full like holiday away and like that was the reality because especially when you start off you're gonna just have to make do with the fact that there's normally going to be this leeway of time where you'll have to build up your you'll have to build up your business. You have to build up if it's in personal training, you have to build up your client base and you have to do the sort of hard graft, hard hours, especially now with content creation, that like like literally what I'm doing now, this is Thursday afternoon at what, four o'clock, uh, and I've got my clients done like what would be seen as the essential work for business. I have it done, I have my client check-ins done, everyone has their training program sorted out, I have time allocated tomorrow to to look after new clients. Like the essential work needing done in the business has been done, but work like this, where I'm doing a podcast or maybe creating content, that's the work that allows me to lead to more people engaging in my content, Watching like reaching out and bringing more people into the audience that will may eventually reach out to me to work to work with me uh, as a business So there's a lot of especially in your first year You'll almost spend the majority of your time doing that because you have almost a surplus of time if you're starting from scratch Versus how many clients you can actually service, but what will tend to happen then is if you don't have enough clients to sort of support you financially to just let you live, whether whether you're living home, you're, you're younger, you're living at home, and you don't have much in terms of sort of monthly bills, or you might not be, you might be in a position where you already have a full-time job because the bills need paid, but you want to start something else. And in that situation, it's about, okay, how can I set this up that it grows in a way that I can sort of mitigate the risk of moving across from where I'm at like in my current job to where I would like to be. So I I started eight years ago and I've been, so I've been in business I would say for eight years, probably longer because when I was about 18 or 19, that was when I started, Tutoring, so I had a tutoring business, I basically tutor people maths and Science, GCSE level, some at A level, and some at Key Stage 3s and done that at the weekends uh, and evenings and weekends to sort of support me during student life and it was a relatively, like for me because I liked those subjects and I was relatively okay at them, it was actually a really, it was a really solid business, it was a decent business and it was, it didn't require much from the point of view of marketing. I put an ad up on Gumtree. I basically just started tutoring people. I got a few people through word of mouth. I got a few people through Facebook, a few people through, through Gumtree. And that was enough to sort of keep me in beer tokens during the week that a lot of my friends were working like maybe bar jobs or restaurant jobs at the weekend or evenings. And they were having to do sort of six, eight to ten hour shifts at the, at the weekend where as I was going five o'clock on a Friday, coach or tutoring through to about eight, 20-25 pound an hour depending on how many people you were tutoring and then the next day from maybe eight o'clock to twelve or one with, with some spacing and then traveling between and then potentially some Sunday morning stuff but if you're lifting 20 pound an hour and you had like 10 slots you could like you, you come home with sort of 200 pound and you were like that's more than enough to sort of keep me in my student life uh, for for the next week and you just sort of repeated that so that was kind of my first exposure it was very very basic i wasn't doing anything it was like there was really to be seen as massively, (laughs) massively, uh, like, what would be good. I almost, I wouldn't call it a business. Uh, You couldn't really call it a business from the outside. Uh, And then when I started personal training, I actually kept some of the tutoring going because it was actually supporting me, even though I didn't want to be really doing it. I was also working in a cafe at the same time. So I was trying to set up my week that I had a part-time job in the cafe. I'd done some tutoring and then I used the rest of my time and I was basically, like I probably was working 50, 60, potentially more hour weeks to try and make sure that this thing got off the ground. I would get up in the morning, do my coaching, spend the day like like doing stuff that was probably a waste of time, (laughs) like now that I look back on it. Uh, But it was the best available effort that I had at the time. It was like with the information that I had, with the knowledge I had at my disposal, it was the best thing that I had. Uh, And then that kind of changed when I joined the IFBA, which is the International Fitness Business Alliance. I don't know if it's still running, but run by Jesse uh, Jesse Jean-Claude Vacherson of W10 in London. And that opened my eyes to how to actually run a semi private training gym as an actual business because before that, really, I was just sort of selling my time. I was going one on one. I realized, oh my God, if I coach two people and instead of them paying both, paying sort of 20, 25 pounds, if both of them pay 15 pounds, like I can get a higher return on that one hour session. And then it goes to, okay, well, as a coach, after like one to one, I'm never really a fan of one to one for the large majority of people for the simple fact that it's, a lot of time. It's a lot of money for one person to spend one hour. Like I think the going rate at the moment for most places is maybe thirty pound. Uh, like it's pretty much thirty pound or more. Probably starting at thirty pound for a one hour session, one to one. And I always found the issue with that was I needed people to train more. They didn't really feel comfortable training more than that. But financially, they, most people couldn't afford to train more than once a week at thirty pound session. Uh, and I didn't really like how it was delivered. I didn't. Really, I just felt like there was something more. I read a book by Tom Plummer about the, I can't remember, The Business of Fitness, fantastic book, Basically, the basis of the semi-private training facility, uh, and then got to work creating K's and in terms of trying to create a facility that could service multiple people personal training at the time, and then that was really where I actually properly started learning about the ins and outs of running the business, what it actually looked like practically day to day, and like seeing it from that standpoint, uh, I, like, I probably would have been guilty, especially in the early days, of trying to create an image that I was like living this great life and posting on social media saying that I was doing like like oh this is this is great, everything's going like great. You're just trying to create this impression that everything was fine and you were like you were fine and you were really really busy, even at times when you weren't because. I think I don't think it was it ever came, and I think most people when they post about sort of like sharing the wins of their business, it never comes from a point of trying to show off. It comes from a point of maybe insecurity and trying to make sure that that people know that they're that they're doing okay. Uh, I I think the thing that I had interesting conversations where I would bump into people that follow me on social media, and the, like even though that I knew the state of the business and I knew that it wasn't happy with it and it, like it needed to get a lot better. People be going, oh my god, the business! Like things look to be going really, really well because you know we had a videographer in and you had a few people for like videos for training shots. So you, heard, you had some cool looking Insta shots for like a couple of weeks, and people were like, oh my god, the gym looks class. But in real, like in reality, the gym was like the the issue like this is obviously really early in in the gym's like time, but we were probably really, really struggling in that first year to try and make things work and try and get to the point where I could hire a second staff member to take a step back to do more of the work that was required to push it on to the next level. And then when I would talk to someone who had no sort of following me in like social media, whether sort of like family friends or relatively local people that didn't really know much about it like their perception was completely different. They were like, oh like is it is it going all right? Is it is it okay? Like is it does it pay you or what do you do during the day? And I just always found that interesting that like that was that was kind of a good advert- that was a good way of looking at the difference in sort of this persona of the business that I had created online versus the actual truth uh, in the early days. And that's like I think that's what most people do. They want to share the wins and it's it's like for me when things aren't going as well, from a business standpoint, when you have more stresses on, I'm always looking at from the point of view of like, well, why, why would I share that? Like, why would I talk about that? Because I don't want to like bring people down talking about this. Woe is me, because like, I'm fucking insanely lucky with with what I have. But I do think now that there's a certain importance to talk about that sort of stuff and say, All right, well, why? Like, what what is the downsides of running a business? What are the cons? what things work really well about it, what things are a bit of a pain in the ass, uh, and it, like, it's probably something that, that doesn't get discussed. Now, I heard a really good analogy about this, that working in a business versus working from someone else and like, how to actually describe that, and it was explained as, when you're working for someone else, you have, work for someone else, uh, you have a guaranteed salary, like provided you don't do anything ridiculously stupid, you have a, like, you have a guaranteed salary, and, your trade-off for that is that you trade off your freedom and your opportunity to sort of massively scale your maybe impact or financial or your in, like your income because you have that security. So you've you chosen security over the sort of the other side of like freedom and opportunity. Whereas like with the business, you don't have that security. Like that is like, you do not have that security for the most part, I don't think anyone can say when they're in business that they feel fully and totally secure, but you have the opportunity to grow based off how well and how effective you can do things, how consistently you can do them, how hard you can work, and you have freedom to dictate what you want to do. Because it's your business, you can take it whatever way you want, and the, I, like. I always think that's a good way to look at it, not that one's better than the other, but when I said at the start that some people were suited, some people weren't, I've read some interesting research to say that Generally, business owners, when tested personality-wise, tend to be lower in trait neuroticism, which is like the the sensitivity, the negative emotion. Uh, so, if anyone hasn't done the Jordan Peterson Understand Myself personality test, really, really interesting. When you actually get looking at it, it's a really useful thing to see. Like, okay, that's that's kind of me. A lot of it is like you'll it'll be sort of confirmation of things that you already know, but there's always some interesting things that are like, okay, that that makes sense. That's me. That's how I function, and. People who are more sensitive to negative emotion are a little bit more averse to risk, uh, so that they feel a little bit more insecure. They're, maybe not insecure; it's not the right word, but they're they would be more sensitive to the feeling of a lack of security while running the business. Now, that's not the, like there's obviously people who are high in trait neuroticism that run businesses. Like that's that's a fact of the matter. It's not saying like you don't do it, but. You, as, for me, it's a, as long as you understand the trade-off, as long as you understand that, you know what, I am pretty sensitive to negative emotion, uh, and like, I like my security, I like, I like my security and sort of in, in income and whatever it is for the next few months, then you may think that, oh, do you know what, I would love that sort of freedom, but you might say you opened, uh, you started the business, it started going like relatively well, and you were, you were going in the right direction, but maybe it hit a bump, and you didn't have that sense of security going forward, the negative impact and the negative feelings associated with that may be greater than the potential benefit that you gain from having that extra freedom. Uh, And this is like a wee bit of a complex topic and that that I'm almost averse to talk about because like, it's only now that I'm fully kind of understanding, and I don't feel like I can fully articulate it. Uh, I'll maybe try and find the video uh, and link it uh, into the the description of the episode that where Jordan Peterson discussed this. But it makes sense in that they're like, it, it makes sense when you talk to people. And they're like, "Oh, there's some people that are really suited. There's some people that just like whatever the stress is. There's water. That's water off a duck's back. That they seem to be able to manage and sort of cope with it, like a, a large amount of stress." and when you're on the business, as you scale it, really you don't like yes, you have the opportunity to scale up your income, but you also have the opportunity, you also scale up this the size and the potential risks associated with the problems. So the way I always describe this is like in a business, if you grow your business and you get to stage where do you know what like I have five like five people employed, like one side of that is that's fantastic. Like you're you're creating jobs for five people. Your business is at the stage where it can support five people and still be profitable. But the downside of that is you now have five people reliant on you to steer this business in the right direction and a wrong decision by you could mean that five people lo- lose their jobs and the business uh, goes, goes under. So that's, that's the downside of it when people don't talk about uh, with, with business where you scale up your problems and being able to, one, have a solid approach to solving those problems, but two, being relatively robust in making sure that you can manage the stress associated with, with scaling up those problems. Like, one of the things that I've had interesting conversations with other business owners and coaches about is sometimes people look back longingly on their initial stage when they were a little bit smaller, even though they would love to be where they're at now, they look back longingly thinking, oh my god, remember when I was there? Like, that was all I was worried about. But, like, your problems are relative, especially in business, where you're looking at your first, like, few problems and, like, you're really worried about posting on social media, and that's, like, the main problem that you have. As time goes on, and you start to get comfortable with that, and next, like a big problem, like a huge tax bill comes in that you weren't expecting, you would easily trade your current problem for that <laughs> for that old problem. But like, that's just the nature of the beast with business that we, we grow in order to be presented with greater problems. And like, if you're in business, like if your problems are getting larger in scale and larger in impact and larger in risk, not necessarily, maybe not necessarily risk, then it's a good indication that you're along the right, you're you're probably growing along the right track if you're if you're solving problems that like as a nature of solving bigger problems, there's generally going to be more risk associated with that. Uh, now I've just I made a few notes here just to, to make sure that I don't go off on too many tangents, but like the main thing, yeah, that, like what I'd sort of said is like business, being a business owner is romanticized on social media. People talk about it as like the be all and end all, and like it's not but it has some really like good sides and i've probably been a little bit negative to start off because i'm i'm hyper aware that i don't want to be one of those people coming on being like be your own boss this is amazing fucking dive in because that's a main theme and maybe that's needed because when people are trying to make that decision they're almost you're always very hesitant you always want to mitigate the risk you're always wondering if you're making the right decision to jump into business and i like Having said all that, I'm all I'm saying all of that from the point of view of I fucking love my life. I love the problems that I have now, even the stresses. I love everything encapsulated in how I approach my work life. Like I love everything about it. I just want to make sure that people are aware of. Oh, well, they, these are the downsides. These are things that people don't normally talk about, don't normally consider when they're talking about like starting a business or like opening a business or whatever it is. But in terms of the pros, I absolutely love my freedom. I love. The fact that I feel like my reward, whether that's in freedom, whether that's in income income and the profit of the business, is based off how effective I am at my job, how effectively I can market, how effectively I can sell, how effectively I can deliver a result to someone. If I'm being judged off those things, and the business grows, then it means I'm doing the right thing. And I love that, I love that form of feedback that, When I'm like, and I've had this in the past, where it yes, even the feedback where maybe you haven't done those things as consistently or as effectively as you know you could. The example I use is when I was moving out here for the two, maybe three months before I moved out to Dubai, I. probably shifted my focus a little bit away from the small consistent things, like I wasn't doing the podcast as often, my content consistency fell off a little bit, I wasn't spending as much time even just day to day thinking about the business because my mind was elsewhere, I was occupied with the move, both sort of coming to terms with the move and being like is this the right decision and sort of battling, like that was occupying a lot of my brain space. And then secondly looking at all of the things that needed to get sorted moving the business over practically getting things that like wrapped up at home from the gym from the house selling your car sorting out flights sorting out visas all these sort of things for the like two three months before i moved that was where my maybe 30 percent of my available attention and energy went to and when i landed out here i noticed that in my business in that there were a few Gaps. There were a few problems that were arising and I was getting really frustrated because it just went through this sort of big significant move and landed out and then there was these problems in the business and I'm going, what what the hell is going on? And it was only after journaling, which everyone knows I'm master for journaling, I was looking at, oh right, all of those small things that I would do so consistently normally, I wasn't making the time for them or if I was doing them, I wasn't doing them with the same intensity or the same consistency. and that showed up in the business when I landed landed out and it's, it is one of those things that though in business if anyone's ever seen the Eisenhower matrix of important, not important, urgent, not not uh, not urgent, when you're in a business, the tendency is to spend most of your time on the urgent important stuff because that's the stuff that's screaming at you and that's the stuff that like will come up all the time and the urgent and not important, so the stuff that just sort of jumps up at you, almost like you're reactive and jump in but the thing that dictates like as a business, whether or not you're going to move in the like actual, in the forward direction, not just sort of spin your wheels and sustain where you're at. is if you're doing the stuff that's not urgent, but important. The stuff that probably has no burns on your income for the next, like maybe three months, maybe even six to 12 months, but you know that that's going to put your business in a better position. And like the easy way I think of this for, for most business owners that are run the business, that's like largely based on social media is content. And content is that thing where, there isn't generally an immediate payoff from it, but that one piece of content, that one video you make, that one podcast you put up, could be the first like, piece of content that brings somebody in your ecosystem, starts you listening to them, and then actually eventually sort of brings you to the, brings them to the point where they want to work with you and they pay money for your services. And, or it could be that one piece of content that actually moves someone from just watching on the outside to reaching out uh, and inquiring about your services, and then at that point, your ability to to sell your ability, your sales ability, your sales acumen takes over. And then once you get them in, your actual delivery, like how well can you actually deliver? Because if you're good at the marketing and the content creation side, if you're good at the sales side, and people come in and the system and the product is shit, you like you can't escape that. Word of mouth will eventually get round, and you will not have a sustainable business. So those are like the the three things that. I'll always try and work out as like what's the what's the long term what's the long term play? What are the most important things that I can be doing that might not be urgent? And like for me at the moment, it's like it's content, it's creating valuable content that is evergreen, that is more of like valuable content that will. Capture the most important ideas, the most important tools or tactics or things that I feel are valuable for people, capturing them in a way, whether it's a podcast and video or audio, whether it's a short form video, whatever it is having that captured somewhere that means that it's now like a a piece of content that can be captured and reused over and over and over again and also expand my reach, expand my following and bring more people into the ecosystem uh, that will follow me and eventually maybe use my services down the line. And that's something I think personal trainers don't really talk about when they're talking about like posting content. It's kind of like, oh yeah, like I I might eventually want to sell to someone. It's like, if you're a business You'll eventually have to sell to someone. I've discussed this in previous podcasts. Where, as as an industry, we're maybe a little bit uncomfortable, and it seems to be in polar opposites. Where people are either feel like selling is completely unethical, or they're fucking sleazy salesmen and sell shit uh, for way way too much money. And I think people will naturally gravitate away from the one that they're most most of, like. They maybe really don't want to be that sleazy salesperson, so they just avoid all sales topics, or maybe they. Or like someone, like they'll just want someone in. They want the business to grow so much that they're willing to do everything and anything and sell unethically in order to do that. And the, the big book that made this a lot clear for me and sort of understanding that as a business, for me to survive, I need to be able to sell my services, and that isn't a negative thing. If I feel like my service is valuable, if I feel like it can improve somebody's life, then if someone comes to me, <clears throat> Say someone like inquired with me and I had a really shit ability to sell and I was like oh yeah just this this is it and they go away feeling like I'm not not really sure about that and they don't sign up and then there's someone else that has a worse product that I feel my product is way better than them but they could sell and they sell them this shit product get them to spend their hard earned money and go down the line with them and end up like they've got spent their money and they've got a, a lesser service so and ended up down the line in a worse position or the same position where they were and for me, I'm like, well, it's my responsibility that if anyone reaches out to me, then I'm going to put them in the best possible position to, if they want help, that I'm going to be in a position to give them help, and they're going to be incredibly clear about what the process looks like, what things they can do, uh, what things uh, they what, what to expect from the process, what it might look like, how to convey the price, and all of those sort of things. If I'm comfortable doing that and can do that consistently, then I'm more likely to help more people, and like this kind of comes back to one of the first things that someone, like one of my mentors told me was like deciding on your core values and deciding on like what things, like what are your mission statement, your core values, which is such a corporate throwaway term. Why do people, and I, I never understood, like why do people talk about this? Because like, it just seems like this stupid thing that people have on one page of their website that doesn't really matter. But even if you haven't written it down, you'll have core values, you'll have a mission statement, you'll have something that you're trying to do. When you clarify that, I wouldn't necessarily say it put on your website, you might have, like, you might even have a website, but clarifying that is super important for yourself in terms of helping, like, what do you actually do? Like, what is what is the goal of this business that you have created and why have you created it? And what is like what are the values that you have that you want the business to represent and want what because the core values become the filter through which your decisions pass, that if you're trying to decide what avenue to take the business down, what way to approach sort of micro, small decisions day to day, or larger decisions in terms of the strategic direction of the company, if you have core values, if you have a way to approach it, then then you can pass that decision through those core values and see, right, well. Based off these things that I value, what might be the best decision to make? And when you have that, you're in a position to make much better position, make much better decisions for you as a business. And it might, like that, that could be easily construed as, let's say, one of my core, like one of my core values is just like to have like continual gradual improvement to help people make continual and gradual improvement. That's literally what kiazin means as a word, and. If I start selling shakes because a uh, shake dad, like a dad shake company, comes to me with a lucrative offer to say, "Listen, put your name behind this here, and we'll we'll like give you X amount for how many people you can sell," and it's incredibly financially lucrative, but it doesn't align with my core values. Now, everyone automatically knows that that's not a, a decision that you would want to make. You wouldn't do that, but, and like that's the reason. It's because it, it irks against your core values. But there are more subtle decisions that aren't as clear at times of where should I be spending my time, should I be doing this or should I be doing that? And when you actually look at like what do you value most or what are you trying to do with this business, like what is the one or two sentences that summarize the impact that you're trying to have, then you can be like, right well, no, that's what I'm doing now services this better. Or maybe this new opportunity is actually a way to better service people and scale the impact that I'm having here. So that's that's something that Someone told me like a long time ago, we're back, we had some camera difficulties and audio difficulties there, so I'm back in now. I can't remember who had actually told me about the core value things, but to be honest, quite a few people. I can't remember who told me at first, but it was, yeah, incredibly useful to sort of land on what am I actually trying to do with this business? Like what is, why am I doing this? Is it just the sort of, like the bigger that way? the more I'll be able to do those small things consistently That's the same with anything like with, with a training goal, if you're training for something but you have like a, a pretty shallow or a pretty inconsistent way, is that going to be enough to make you do those small things required consistently to move you in the direction of, of that, but like the bigger the way, the bigger that vision that you have, the more work you'll put in, the more effective you'll be at actually moving yourself towards that. and. One of the things that I made a note of, the one that like discuss and myself and Gareth discussed in the last uh, podcast was trying to make a decision around at what point do you move across if you have an idea, if you have a business that you're like, hey, do you know what, this is something I'd really like to do. At what point do you sort of make a decision to move into that business? Do you just quit your job tomorrow and start it up? And I think like 99% of the time the answer to that question is no. Uh, but, for me, if it comes down to like risk mitigation, it's like how can I mitigate the potential risks associated with starting this? And normally, the first answer is I'm gonna to have to do it the, like I'll do it on the side. So I'll have my full time job, but I'll use my extra available time as effectively as possible to get it up and running and get it moving in the right direction. And that's tough because it's like anyone that has a relatively busy life, if you have other halves, maybe family members, friends, maybe you play a sport, you go to the gym, you're trying to look after you're eating, and suddenly you're trying to plug in this new business that you're starting and you're like, where are you gonna find the time for that? And that can become a problem for a lot of people initially of sort of saying like, where can I find the time? Again, I think that comes back to the way when you sort of clarify what is your vision, like where do you really, really want to go. If that way is big enough, it'll instigate you into action to, and actually make it a priority and that's like one of the things that someone else had told me. I'm really useless in remembering who fucking told me things or where, where I got it from, but like your actions speak your priorities. If you're saying that starting a business is a priority, but this, you've been saying this for six months and you haven't taken an actual tangible step to do it, then you may be verbally saying that that is your priority, but that's not the actual case because your actions are saying differently. Your actions are saying that it's not a priority, it falls below uh, these other things. And that's one of the things when you have core values when you have the things that you're going to value most and you say like the three to five things whatever they are that's actually a really good exercise as well myself and uh, Tony McAlevey that when we were running our Headstone program we had an exercise where we got people to write down the things they value and then do a bit of an account a bit of an audit of where they spend their time in the week and looking to see do those things match up like if you're saying self-development or learning is a like a top three sort of core value for you or top five core value for you but when you look at your time you're spending 15 minutes a week maybe listening to one podcast or reading the book when you actually look at the amount of time then it's like well you spent your screen time was eight and a half nine hours a day your uh, like your netflix time you spent like three four evenings watching four or five episodes of something on netflix it's like well you might be verbally saying that that is a priority but your time is dictating that your actual, you're your spending your time and your actions on other things and your actions don't reflect that that actually is a priority and then that that's a that's an interesting thing, it's a, like when you have a goal, when you have an ideal that you're moving towards, especially when you sort of clarify those things, it's a scary thing because those ideals and those goals are like holding a mirror up to you and as soon as you sort of set them, then they automatically present all of the ways that you don't measure up and it's then down to you to actually then address them. But that can be a scary thing initially of literally just internally saying it or writing it down, like this is something I want to do because if it gets a few months down the line and you haven't done anything on it, that's quite jarring and it's quite uncomfortable uh, for people and it is one of those things that you have to contend with. A lot of the time when you're thinking about starting a business and you have this little idea in the back of your head and you would love to really do it, A lot of the time people don't really entertain the thought for long enough and they don't think on it because they don't want to consider the possibility that this is something that they really fucking want because if they consider that possibility and then they don't take any action that's quite jarring to a person so that like for me spending some time thinking about and the more time you can think and when i talk about thinking I always like thinking for me is writing down, uh, whether in a book like brainstorming and doing a bit like a brain dump or whether it's on just a Google Docs page and I'm just sort of typing out stuff. But thinking about it for me doesn't, like I can't think if I'm sitting just like sitting sort of rattling a few ideas around my head because by the time I've had my third thought, I can't remember what the first thought was and there's no actual sort of thinking taking place. So when I actually start with a question, I'm like, right, what am I trying to do? Write that on the page, so, so like, what uh, what would I like my business to look like? What would I, who would I like to help? What do I want my impact to be? And if you start with questions like that, and then ask more questions, and the more time you spend actually answering those questions literally in written format, the more you'll build a picture of, okay, well, this is how I might do it, and this is how I see people doing that have a similar type of business, and here's how I would kind of do it differently, and here's what people that have a business that is similar to mine are doing it and doing it well, what can I learn from them, what uh, what can I take from them and what in terms of what they do, then maybe plug it into my approach, and what stuff do they do that I really wouldn't do. And the more time that you can build up a picture and spend time doing that, the better. And then when it comes to actually taking the steps, you have a clear idea of what are the smallest, like smallest tangible steps for me to, to actually take to action on this here. And, I'll look at it through the lens of a personal trainer or a coach because that's like that's what I know and it's it's probably it's it's the most familiar to me. But that might look like you have a full time job. You want to be a personal trainer. It's like, okay, well you like training, but how much time do you spend on learning about training? Have you started your qualification? Have you started researching what where you might get qualified? Can is it? A course and most of the time there is a course that you can do online and I'm gonna do this one particular course online and I've landed on so have you decided on the course have you paid the deposit have you signed up and enrolled for your first session have you done the first module have you done all 12 modules have you got the little piece of paper at the end that says now you're qualified at the same time have you been capturing content in your own train have you been able to take that first step and put out so, uh, onto the end the sort of ether into the stratosphere that you're actually doing this or are you putting out content that would sort of give people an idea that this is something you're doing and you're going down this direction and now you have like you're opening this business and this is something you offer so that people are aware that now like this is a, this is not like this is a business that I may potentially be able to work with and are you posting consistently are you like can you work with three or four people for either free or at a reduced rate in order to demonstrate your value, get results so that you can use that to get new people in the door and build your business up gradually. So that's obviously through the eyes of a personal trainer, but to me, that's what, that's what it looks like. It's what is the most important step? What are the small, simple steps that I can do? And I think my perception of business, especially when I was, when I was younger was that I was like, you'd be, you'd be doing this mod daily, you do this one big launch and you put all this effort into it and then like that's the thing, you do this big project and like that's the thing that make or break, makes or breaks your business and I find that's not the case, it's like quite like training in that it tends to be the accumulation of doing the small important things consistently with intention, with, in, with intensity. and the the outcome or how the business grows and how it develops is a basis of the, how you how consistently you've been doing those important things, not by how well you pull together one course at the start. Uh, so like, I find that to be like really useful in terms of, and it makes it feel like a smaller step as well. And Instead of you thinking, I have to do this, I have to do X, Y or Z, I have to do all this here and making it this, like starting a business. When you think of, I want to start a business. That term in itself seems fucking massive. It just seems like there's so much shit to do. Whereas it might just be as simple as I need to spend one hour on the laptop looking at different personal training courses and deciding on which one thing I want to do. And then at that point it's like, right, I need to sign up to one personal training course and break down that larger goal into one small thing you can do after another. And I'm not... I don't. I'm, I don't particularly want this to be solely fixated on personal training. I'm talking about that through the lens because I feel like I have authority to talk about that because that's it's what I've been through. About 40% of my clients are actually coaches themselves, and that's how I love working with. I love. I actually love coaching business owners because they're two things that like business and coaching are two things that I'm really really passionate about, and I think that they're so interconnected and. When someone take, looks after their health and their fitness, and that tends to be that they're organised, their productivity goes up, and they're more effective in their business. So that's like that's why I like I love that. Now, as time goes on, and the more and more I talk about business, the more and more I feel comfortable talking to people in other industries because like most of the principles of business are trans, like translate across industries. So, but. Um, my, my wheelhouse the place where I feel like I have authority to talk about is personal training So I don't, I don't want to talk about this solely through the lens of personal trainer because that's not what this is about It's not about talking about like what do you do if you want to be a personal trainer? It's talking about like what do you do if you have a business that you want to start But you're not really sure and for me, it's a okay Well, what is the smallest possible action you can take one day at a time and take it one day at a time and see like just layer those on top of each other and in six months in a year You'll be in a drastically different place like that is the the main thing of it that people glamorize it and feel like like i always felt like watching people that i admired in business that they all seem to be doing big deals and having mad things happen and i was like oh yeah that's kind of what i want and my perception of a business owner was someone who did big deals and did things that was really significant and just spent time meeting important people like it's quite like a quite a silly representation of what running the business actually looks like but that was the best thing I had available to me, that's what I thought it was until I actually got into it uh, and having an idea of like, having an idea of okay well that's not actually what it likes, it. that's not what it takes and especially when your only exposure to a business is maybe following certain people on social media and what they're document about, documenting about it, they can obviously, as I mentioned before, talk mainly about the positives, kind of skim over the negatives. and. I understand the reasons for it there may be times where you just need a bit like myself and Connor O'Neill and talk about this that a little bit of naivety is required you need to be a little bit naive and because I think if you understood all of the like all of the shit and all of the downsides it would just be another reason for you not to start it and that's not really the, the important thing the important thing is that you get stuck in like we myself and Connor always talk about we're really lucky that we started our business when we were fucking literally just coming to the end of university and we were super naive about what we thought, what our expectations were, how easy it was going to be. And that meant that we actually made the jump sooner because we were a little bit naive at it. And I thought that was like, at the time, looking back, I'm like, oh God, like that's what we thought. but. It was actually a it was actually a useful thing at the time because maybe if I had have known just how tough it could be at times, that might have been enough to sort of put me off. So it's it's balancing those, being aware of the trade offs, but not letting those things stop you from taking a small step. And like that, like I find taking small steps a nice way to approach that sort of fear of oh, I might, I might want to start. And it's like, well, you're not like you you don't have to, nobody says you have to start it and abandon everything you're doing. Let's Spend the next six months having a crack at it and building something to see, right, well, even if it's not what I end up doing, then at least there's going to be valuable learning and I can spend six months trying to build something and get it to the point where I'm like, do you know what, no, like, what I thought this would be, it actually wasn't that, but I can come back to what I was doing before, more enthusiastic about what I was doing before because now I'm in a position where I'm like, yeah, listen, like, I actually prefer this. To run the business because what my idea run running the business and what it was actually like day to day was completely fucking different. And like I actually don't want to have to to handle that. Like a big one is like holidays. Like when people people get into business, like your first year, potentially two years, unless like things take off incredibly well, like you're going to be restricted normally financially because you'll probably be cutting things back, building up the business. Like this is on average, so there's obviously exceptions. There's people that like start and take off immediately. Uh, especially now in the age of social media, there's a, t- there's a possibility to do that if you're pretty effective and if you can create like engaging content, you can fucking take off immediately and, and not have to worry about that. But for the most part, there's going to be some transitionary period where you're trying to find your feet and you'll have to cut back a little bit on the luxuries and the expenses to put yourself in a position where you can gradually build a business up. And in, a, in time, that will maybe develop to the point where you have more flexibility and you can do things like for me, I and the nature of developing with time with the business is that you get very fixated on the next thing and you don't really take stock of how far you've came. And I'm super fucking guilty of that. I don't know a business owner that isn't guilty of that. But what what I found, and I had to take a little bit of stock when we got moved over here. Like a few people were like, "Oh, congratulations! Like you moved it by, That's amazing!" And I didn't really like I, I wasn't really accepting of that. In that I was like, "Oh no, I've just fucking got on a flight." and came out here like it wasn't anything special. <laughs> I just moved away, everyone moves away. But I, I then, because that's just, like I just wouldn't really consider that to be this massive, massive thing. But when I was looking back and sort of seeing like doing some journaling, again, like most of my thinking time is just writing in any way, shape or form to get it out of my brain. Cause I'm not smart enough to hold them and have a cohesive sort of line of thinking in my head. But when I actually sort of done some journaling and thought about it, I was like, Do you know what? No, I'm actually, I am happy and if, me now I met me at like twenty four when I sort of just started the gym, and sort of said like, "Well, well, this is what this is what we do now. This is our life. This is what our business looks like from a sort of clampy standpoint, from a financial standpoint. This is what your life looks like day to day. This is how you approach stuff. This is where you train. This is the amount of downtime you have." I would be like, "Oh my god, that's fucking amusing. I would love that because I know for a fact at the time when I was first starting out, I would have like." rip someone's arm off to have what I have now, but I don't feel like what I have now is anything exceptional because my peers are all in similar positions, they're all in positions where they have a reasonably sort of solid business that keeps them in the life that they want, they have pretty much the days that they want. So like that is, that, that's another trade-off of business is that like you'll rarely be satisfied, you'll get a win, but even when you set a goal, like if you set a growth goal, whether it's revenue or number of clients or whatever it is, you'll find, You'll get that, and I'll, like the, the feeling of like satisfaction will disappear almost immediately. Uh, that's a funny thing that we set these goals and we sort of attach our positive emotion to, like, oh my god, when I get there, like, and it's that thing of like, when I get there, then like that's it, I'm going to be happy. But the thing that makes you happy isn't necessarily reaching that point. For me, it's the sense of feeling of day to day progression when you're moving in the direction of that, and that took a long time to sort of land with me that the goals that I set for the business and the things that I want to do are largely irrelevant, as funny as that sounds. For me, as long as I find the thing that I'm moving towards engaging, then I can take, and like challenging, and like really what I'm trying to do is set a goal that I find engaging that I would love to work towards that's a slight stretch beyond what I feel is is feasible that forces me to work like a little bit smarter and forces me to work on the edge of my ability between now and achieving the goal and really the satisfaction isn't getting to that end point on that particular day that you hit the landmark. It's all the accumulation of all of those small little things that you built up and all of those like the little benefits that you got. So and I've heard different people talking about this. I heard uh, James Smith, uh, PT, talking in like a snippet of one of his pod, uh, his podcasts uh, with Matt Frazier talking about when he hit a million followers and how shallow it felt and then how awful he felt because this was something he wanted for ages and he got it and he wasn't happy and like i, I completely relate to that obviously not nowhere near to the same scale but like that's the nature uh, at times of running the business and that you'll set these goals and you're like yes okay when i get to here when you get to that point you'll need to take a step back and just acknowledge the fact that, yeah like okay right i've done that that's like I'm, I'm, I, that was that was good that was really solid and then normally at that point it's about sitting down, doing some reflection, and saying, okay, well, like that's kind of that ticked off. Like, where do I go from here? And big problem that I ran into over and over and over again was coming to the point where I sort of hit a goal and then having two or three months sort of in the abyss where I was like really struggling to motivate myself. And I, I repeated this over and over again and never learned from it. It was like, it's far easier to be pulled towards a goal than it is to sort of drag yourself along in some particular direction. If you have a goal you're moving towards, it influences and in, like how how you make decisions. It'll drive you to do the small things consistently because you're doing them in services of this larger goal. Whereas if you don't have something clear you're moving towards, like it's very fucking hard to get yourself like to do those small things consistently in pursuit of that. Now. That's, that's kind of everything. Like there's nothing massively, like hopefully there's something of value there for anyone that has watched or listened, but there's nothing amazingly groundbreaking, I don't feel like, but it is something that I haven't, I haven't really dived into and I wanted to dive into like my, some of my thoughts and my experiences on like being self-employed, being, being in business. And it is one of those things that like, I, anyone that's considerate, I would always push them to, like, that's probably my part message as much as I talk about, like, being aware of the downsides, being aware of the, of the sort of, the, the pitfalls of business, I love it, I fucking love my life, I love how I go about my days, I love my problems, now, sometimes you get a fucking email, you get a, a letter from the accountant, you get a ladder from the HMRC uh, on a random day when you're already a wee bit stressed out and it seems to tip you over the edge and you're like, fuck, I would just love to be working for somebody else and just not have this shit to worry about, but those things are short-lived and they're normally sort of those little one-offs that sort of like, yes, they can be stressful, or yes, they're like, they can be very stressful, but I wouldn't, like forego those but I wouldn't forego all of this positive impact that having a business has had on me to avoid those things that like if those are the trade-off if the trade-off is that I have my days how I want them and if I have my business how I want it and the, the trade-offs are that at times that is going to happen and there's going to be those stress then that's just it and yeah I'm gonna, I'm gonna wrap it up there uh, if you found anything here useful or beneficial then rate the podcast give us five stars drop me a comment, drop me a message if there's anything you find particularly useful, if you want to have a conversation about it uh, or if there's anything that you want a bit of a hand with or to to bounce across a few ideas. I'm always, always like really, really happy when someone reaches out that listens to the podcast. So yeah guys, that's everything. Thank you very much for listening and tune in for the next episode.